0: Alright, control. Good evening and welcome to Knox Mente. Tonight's guest is Geraldine Orozco. Geraldine is the founder of Bay Area Meditation and Space Meditation Studio in San Francisco, California. She is also an international speaker, radio host, pranic, quantum and shamanic energy healer, Akashic Intuitive, meditation expert, collective trauma researcher, and archetypal social theorist. She is currently working on her first book on DNA origins in the hybridization and ascension program. Geraldine, welcome to the show.
1: Welcome,
2: Geraldine. Hi. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Nish. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure.
0: Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, this is indeed a great pleasure. And it was pretty, actually, it was pretty short notice as well. So uh, thank you for for making that happen. Because you yeah. are clearly a busy woman.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I think we tried to do this once before and had some very interesting things come up. So I'm yes. I'm so happy to be able to speak with you guys today
0: (laughs) the gods were trying to keep us apart
1: (laughs) all right let's get into it so tell us about the world you grew up in and this just is anything that sticks as far back as you can remember is best and the stuff that really sticks out now which would include anything in the pop culture you know your relationship with nature just that general general overview of young Geraldine.
2: Sure well you know I was blessed with a really amazing family both my parents are very spiritual very um, into you know, discovering and and free will and uh, connecting with nature and finding your own path. And it's kind of always been that way since I was a child. I think um, at first I was very much a girly girl with um, Barbie phase, you know, and then I got into a little bit of a tomboy phase where I really loved nature and hanging out with the boys in the, in the, in the block, I guess you could say. And yeah, you know, I just grew up with a very, very beautiful, complete and wholesome childhood um, with my both parents. And, um, you know, we always had the option of exploring different cultures, different arts, uh, very much art-minded and culture-minded family. I grew up playing the violin for 16 years in the San Francisco Youth Orchestra and YOSAC. And, um, you know, childhood was very, very much about education and culture and exploration of the arts, I guess you could say. So um, later on, I went into college, and uh, I studied interior and architectural design, and uh, then started my life, which, you know, looking back now, as we'll go into my story a little bit, um, there was a lot of parallels and very interesting things that i I realized you know later on, looking back at my childhood, and uh, we can go into that because it has to do with contact and how my lifelong abductee experiences paralleled my regular life. I guess you can say
1: well, this is excellent, and it is something I definitely want to get into in this program because we like to traverse states of consciousness, and surely these uh adoption abduction experiences are pushing our ideas of what that is now thankfully because it's deepening the actual process and I think it's giving people uh, an idea of how 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 it can unfold and mm-hmm. unlocking memories within people that really were shut down to the idea without knowing
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely
1: so back in your young you were uh it sounds idyllic by the way I want to live your early life (laughs) you're wonderful parents it's all art it sounds wonderful were you so they were spiritual so you had uh no no religion or anything going on
2: um you know well from my from my mother's family side you know we were raised catholic in a sense that was the the basis of everything, I suppose, but my parents were always exploring different cultures, different religions, and always moved really quickly through understanding and learning new uh, schools of thought, I guess you can say. So, I mean, we had a Buddhist phase, we had a Zen phase, we had a, you know, even a Sufism phase, a a Gnostic Gnostic phase. Um, So, we, we, we grew up very richly Literally experiencing all of these religions and cultures, and hearing my parents talk about it, and um, I think that really opened us into this world of Eastern religion of new, more modern thought i guess mm-hmm. and uh, even though my 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 extended family is mostly based in Catholicism, you know i was I went to an all girls Catholic school during high school. So, you know, we we went back to the roots and we kind of came in and out of some of these things to kind of see. And really now looking back, I realize that all of this was a part of my journey to understand religion and our perception, our reality and the structures of reality. I mean, without that, I don't think I could have ever been able to speak on behalf of religion or, you know, how it would affect us in our belief system. So, yeah, it was very interesting
1: absolutely it's this is this is open mindedness at its best this yeah. is this is what i mean when i look at people in the world i i am drawn to people that are broad minded and open and to get it you know to give this gift to your kids is just it's it is wonderful and so you were born in the bay area
2: yes union city right here born and raised oh <laughs> excellent <laughs>
1: of course one of the most open areas as well this is fantastic was there anything in in pop culture that you super enjoy like guilty pleasures cartoons any of that stuff
2: you know um before before i really had my serious awakening i for me music and dancing was always something that i loved always very much into the arts into expression i used to sing uh, professionally for my school I used to play the violin and I used to do art you know artwork but aside from that I would have to say I've always been a little bit of someone that's trying to get away from mainstream and yeah. uh, you know yeah. I, I think early on in my in my 20s you know I loved to go dancing and I could dance all night and listen to music and that was that was part of my youth which I enjoyed very much. But, uh, yeah, you know, I guess it's all part of growing and experiencing this matrix.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What was your, so back to young you, very young you. Do you have any memories of being, uh, were you dreaming a lot? Do you have memories of having a lot of dreams? Is it, I'm talking young you, as young as you can muster, thinking Oh,
2: back. yes, absolutely. I think my, and the dreams were actually one of the biggest things that helped me understand my contact. Um, as a child, my dreams were extremely impactful in that I would always have, there, there were these three main dreams that I would have, one of which was a very long consecutive dream over the lifespan of years. I mean, when I was one year old, I would start the dream when I was, uh, you know, later on when I was about uh, four or five. Uh, seven, twelve, I would continue the dream. I would always come back to the same place and I would remember exactly where I left off and I would continue the storyline. Um, the second very memorable dream was a dream of being inside of a space that was moving so drastically uh, powerful that I felt very helpless and very like being pulled into some kind of vortex of some sort. And I've had that dream multiple times i mean it came to the point where i was afraid of falling asleep and um, of course later i realized that that was um, a very common dream that contactees have and i'm sure in psychology realm that has other uh, connotations as well um and the third dream was a dream um which is still till now is very much aware that I'm dreaming. I mean, extremely aware that, you know, you come into this dream, you're getting shot with a gun, and I'm holding the bullet. And this is Mm -hmm. something that happened before movies like The Matrix came out, before all these cool movies. Like, I would have these very strange dreams where I would be able to move time and space in them. So, yeah, I definitely would say so. Is it, can we talk about
1: these three dreams in a little more detail? (laughs) Let's start with the first one, uh, the one that helped you realize that it was contact. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yes, and so what seems to be happening, so these kinds of dreams, they they filter and screen any kind of image, really. I mean, they can make you look at anything. They can even make you dream about your family members, which has happened many times, And um, for example, there was a dream where my mother would always come to me from this brilliant white light, bringing a little girl with blonde hair. And as she approached me, I would look at the child and as a child, I was excited. I was saying, oh, maybe I'm going to have a little baby sister pretty soon, or maybe that's Mm -hmm. my child for the future. Um, But then later on, when I had my contact experience in 2013, uh, I met that child on the ship as one of my hybrid children. So, you know, the recognition and recognizing that child and the connection with the child was really emotionally impactful at that point. And I realized that this was something that was a a recurring dream throughout my childhood, whether that was a, you know, premonition of what was going to happen or maybe like a coming back in time to what was occurring. Um, I'm not sure. But um, the other interesting oh, okay.
1: we stopped there for a minute. How old yeah, were you when you first had that dream?
2: Um, I'm going to say around five years old, which is okay. actually where I began my first, um, you know, implantation. My first abduction experience was when I was five years old. Okay. Um, and, I, and the reason why I remember that is because the day that I had this dream, it was my birthday, my, my fifth birthday. <gasps>
1: oh, that's significant.
2: Yeah. So, you know, and it's interesting because I I would go back after my regressions and look at these things that came up and I was like, wow, amazing how these are the memories that really stuck out to me. These are the things that I can actually say that I can easily go back to and relive, Um, you know, so I guess that tells you something. The mind is, is connecting and maybe very vividly filing these memories in the system somehow. Um, you know, and un- unless we're made aware, maybe we don't realize the importance of them. So it's, it's interesting.
1: I agree. And how long did this this one continue or does it continue still?
2: No, this was something that was I've probably stopped dreaming about that when I was about maybe 18 years old, but it was a reoccurring dream that would happen every now and again. And it would always be my mother or the child showing up randomly inside of a dream. And that's how I realized that the screening effects that they do, you know, they can make you look like you're at a shopping mall or in a, in a park or anywhere. They they create this setting and then they make you live through these experiences of meeting, I suppose, these hybrid children or having these certain experiences, which are part of a hybridization program, um, you know, that they're inserting in your mind. And, and all of this is created in order to create an emotional setting. I think, or what they're planning on doing.
1: Mm-hmm. I find this fast. The synchronicity of this is amazing. Cause mm-hmm. I, I'm just recently going through some weird dream really? memories that are mm-hmm. clearly memories being wiped. And within the dreams, I see the wipe happening.
3: Mm, there you and go.
1: It's mm-hmm. fading in and out. So this is all kind of new territory for me and significant. And the main one involves this little baby that was very bluish. White, wow. super, super, super pale. That's
0: a synchro for me.
1: Wow, really?
0: Last night, we were doing the show last night. We were talking about blue people and how, uh, if you take too much colloidal silver, <laughs> they're blue.
1: Although, <laughs> there are only two people on record that took cause I've been taking colloidal silver for years.
0: I know, I still, it's just it's those two people. It's how hilarious. often does blue people come up?
1: Yeah, true. True. I mean, I even, one of my recent personal videos, music videos I made, I accidentally turned myself blue and I didn't understand what that meant. Now it's coming together. So, all right, moving on to this next. So that was the first one that goes from five to 18, significant with the emergence of this child, uh, with the idea of the dream wipe or cover up. Uh, then we move to the second side one that was more, a little bit scary, I think I wrote down here, Mm -hmm. inside of something moving.
2: Yeah, that was an interesting one. And so what the dream would consist of, and the, the setting would change every time, it would be something different. But for example, it would be a massively gigantic blanket. And I am walking inside of this blanket, and it's so massive that any minute it could swallow and suffocate me. But it was this feeling of being completely helpless inside of this blanket and um, feeling like I'm being pulled into a vortex within the blanket somewhere. And sometimes it would be a blanket. Sometimes it would be like little hills of green, or sometimes it would be, I don't know, just like candy or just a color, a color of some sort or bubbles you know, these are all childhood dreams. So, but what was impactful is the sensation that you're feeling that you first feel like you're falling, and then you feel like you're coming into this vortex, which you cannot get out of. And what I found out, because I am hosting these support groups, and also with over the last couple of years of meeting other contactees, we've been talking about this, and it seems to be something that is quite prevalent in contact in contactees where they have these dreams that they are being pulled into vortexes. They have these dreams of being falling. And of course we know with lucid dreaming that that's also a very common, um, you know, uh, physical, I guess, reaction that you feel that you're falling. You have the sensation of falling as your body is leaving from the physical. Yes. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And so I guess the question is like, what exactly is happening between mind and body doing during dream time that we're trying, that, you know, is this fabricated or is this something that our psychology is like fabricating for us as we're experiencing these things? It's its interesting.
1: How old were you when this was going on, this particular blanket one?
2: Yeah, so the these were very young. I mean, I, I think the earliest was literally one and a half, two, three, and then um, later on seven, eight, nine, and I think the last time I had a dream like that was probably around 12 years old, I'd have to okay. say. So it's pretty much all my childhood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how clear that stuff can be yeah. you know, through this illusion of time. Did you ever, so every one of them had this fear to it? Of
2: those. Yes. I, I don't know if it was necessarily fear. It's just this feeling of well, of course it's fear, but it feeling of like helplessness, of just being completely out of control, not able mm-hmm. to control your surroundings. That was the thing that okay. was was prevalent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is that's that's good. And then this third one the, yes. where it was a clear like I think is this a clear abduction dream?
2: Yeah, the clear one is is really about how how I have well, I used to read when I was a child books on lucid dreaming when I was about 10, 12. I don't know why. I was absolutely fascinated with the topic. And um, you know, I guess I started to lucid dream more and more. And as I did that, I became very aware that I was dreaming in my dreams. And even now, now that I have gone into deeper, deeper awakenings, I guess, over the past three, four years. I can literally control in my dreams what's occurring. And I understand that, you know, these are actual dimensional planes in which I am traversing here. So, you know, whether I am healing somebody on another dimension or I'm actually going into other uh, escapes where other aspects of myself are integrated in, this is kind of how it is. And so by the time I wake up in the morning, you know, I've had all of these experiences and I understand that things have moved you know, and this is kind of the thing that I focus on helping people learn and trying to train is that we start to become very, very conscious, not just on a physical plane, but also in many dimensions, which is really, really important. I think it's part Mm -hmm. of the technology of our body that we're here to learn about. Uh,
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And that's part of what in, in our own way, we're trying to show as well Mm -hmm. with this program um okay so and then just on some nuts and bolts of dreaming for you which you've already given us a lot but just to iron them out how does the dreamscape in general appear to you and so what i'm looking for is just like the mundane stuff color black and white do you have a sense of smell are you able to read these kinds of things
2: Oh yeah, my dreams are so ridiculously vivid that I can tell you the color of the flowers on the print of a wall or the tiny little detail of a of um, you know, a, I don't know, the architecture of some building or some painting. I mean, it's like it's like being on another dimension of reality. It's extremely vivid. I can smell, sense, feel, and I can even do energy work in that time so I can manipulate my energetic space on on dreamscape and all that's that's changed you know now now it's it's more vivid than ever but mm-hmm. yes very much very colorful very bright and very real and
1: in in this nuts and boltsy kind of section where does so it sounds like early on too you were you would go lucid like you would just naturally mm-hmm. had this ability mm-hmm. it yes. seems and so my question's a little bit uh I'd say I don't usually ask this, but I think it's more pointed to the idea that you actually have this early these early memories of contact. And do you think that all that is part of what aided you in having such loose high lucidity within the dream state?
2: Um, did it help me have lucidity? Um, I believe that actually what helped me have more lucidity now, see, I, I had it when I was a child. And then after a while, you know, in my teen, later teen years, and, um, you know, adolescence, I think that I kind of pulled away from that as I was more fascinated with, you know, three dimensional matrix. Yes. <laughs> the outer world. And then, right. And then when I came back, I think over the past five, six, seven years, it has enhanced even, even more so. I think I'm coming back to that childhood state of, you know, really connecting with my environment. So I, I'd say that, you know, uh in terms of contact, regression has really helped unlock my ability to understand the difference between dimensions, how they feel what's real, what looks more fabricated than than other things. I, I would, I would have to say, I, I'm hoping that answers the question. Yeah.
1: And it, it leads right into where I want to go with this, mm-hmm. which is, can you give us a rundown of how you experience or perceive the differences in these states of consciousness?
2: Yes. That's a really great question. Um, so in reality, um, my, what I understand and what I have seen is that we are projecting really almost like holographically our reality here in, in real time between the three of us here and the audience and everyone that's here. We're kind of projecting as we go based on multiple uh, systems of the body. Number one, of course, all of our perceptions that we have recorded, that are recorded in our system in the multidimensional body, and all of those based on multiple things, not just our immediate life here since childhood, but also patterns and information that we pull from our ancestral lineage. Um, and the other aspect of that is what we're being uh, projected in a structured um holographic matrix per se that we are you know kind of navigating through so um with that being said um i believe that many other dimensions are also similar to this you know they are uh they all have different laws um in regards to the architecture of each dimension and each dimension will focus on certain aspects of reality whether enhanced or less enhanced so in dream time, the, the only thing that's missing is the physical three-dimensional body. We have a projection of that. But then again, this, this real life that we believe is real life is also a projection on some level. Um so you know when we're working on these multiple dimensions I think that the human body is coming in and out of multiple dimensions here in this present moment and also when we're in dream time when we're in meditation when we are entering these different frequencies of dimensions of reality so the way to become aware of them is to really understand how the multidimensional body is communicating with each one of those dimensions at all times really um, so you know, how do you navigate them? I believe we have to first understand and learn the technology of our physical body here in this dimension, and then understand how, as multidimensional beings, we have the capacity of of navigating other dimensions. And it's really important. And I'm not just talking about dream time. I'm even talking about when you die and you're leaving the actual physical um, three dimensional realm. You're actually going into other dimensions, and so. Um, my hope is that we as a collective start to become aware of that and maybe start working and training the body, the technology to move through those. That's kind of- uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Death is, and I'll get, we'll get to uh, the idea of death later. That's kind of where that's when, you know, we're getting wrapping and getting ready question questions because mm-hmm. that's where I take it. So back here in, in this kind of dream lucidity, uh, alternate dimensions area, how, how does one go for, so because you're an, I consider you an adept. And so I'm going to ask you questions if it's all right um, on that level. Like I'm a student and I'm coming to you for information. And so what are some tools that can help us while say, starting within dream time to access these Covered memories. So, for those of us that have experiences where we've been wiped, is there are there tools where we can, without a regression in what we consider waking life, mm-hmm. just starting out in the dream, are there tools we can use?
2: Absolutely. And I think what has really changed for me, what has worked for me tremendously, is maintaining a very high level of awareness during my waking time, because everything. So, so there's many layers to this, but everything that we are doing in waking time is somehow projected in the subconscious mind during dream time. However, um, also the human body is whatever the, the higher self or the purpose or whatever, you know, there is a, um, I guess, an idealism of what this human organism is supposed to be doing in this present time is also carried out in dream time. So this can be anything, whether they're fantasies, dreams, aspirations, goals, or the highest level of expression of the human soul. When that comes into question, all of that can be and may be presented in dream time. So what that tells us is that as we learn to train our body and our mind to become aware in our waking time, and that is like every moment of your day, being conscious of what you're feeling right here, right now, what, where that feeling is coming from, what is triggering that emotion, where is your presence, where are your intentions, understanding and breaking down every part of your thought process. Because what happens to us is that we live in a lot of times, we come into these monotonous zombie modes where we're just acting and reacting to our environment instead of understanding really where we are coming up with our own emotions. And the majority of us are pretty much just mirrors of what we're watching in the external world. Like, for example, television, you know, social media, all of these things that are telling us how our, we need to be, how our families, how our society needs to be. We believe all of what we're seeing. And so we are projecting that. So the problem with that, as you can see in our society, is that that's an incomplete view and oftentimes very confusing way to look at the human uh, system. So, uh, becoming aware of your emotions, every moment of your day, questioning why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And if you train this on a daily basis, every day, what you're doing there is you're starting to have this mind body connection that it it starts to strengthen that mind body communication. So when you go into dream time, um, you know, you're going to start doing that in dream time as well. It's like it's like when you go swimming all day, you know, as a child, you spent the day at the pool and even at night when you're in bed, you, you have that sensation that you're swimming in bed. That's kind of like the best way I can explain it. Whatever you're training yourself during the day to do uh, with your mind, body and cognitive uh, systems of the body, you're also bringing into your dream time. And, of course, there's other little things that you can do, but this is the most powerful shifting thing that I have experienced personally in my life. And in my dream time, I have become very aware by doing that.
0: Nish? (laughs) She fell asleep? I don't know.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I tried to unmute and I ended up with like a whole other screen of stuff. Oh, this is the first time that's ever happened. I
0: love discovering hidden features.
1: <laughs> this is just such, this is so juicy. So, okay. So back here in, in that using these tools and what we consider waking life to access this higher state of consciousness and what we're considering Dream time is okay, so and so I want to tie back into a little bit of something I didn't ask a bit earlier. You already mentioned it, but I want to get it nailed down flying and what we consider the supernatural kind of powers in in waking life <laughs> How do you fly, and when you're having a high lucidity, are you able to keep up your high lucidity with things that are fantastical mm-hmm.
2: um well let's see um you know now I guess my dreams are really just navigating dimensions which are quite real to me I guess you can say um so I I haven't really had any experience where things are you know based on fantasy too much Um, And and what I mean by that is that usually in dream time, I'll be doing work because I'm training myself personally to clean up my own quote unquote karmic connections or contractual agreements to my uh, physical projection here. So, you know, in dream time, I just continue that work, whatever I'm doing in the daytime I do at night. Um, And secondly, uh, in regards to flying, for example, or moving, I mean, really, we can train the physical body to do absolutely anything we want. I think the program that we need to destroy is the program that tells us that the human body is limited, even by time, space and physics. Uh, I think we're just coming into a time where we're starting to understand, really relearn physics in a new way because we're starting to understand our, dimen- our multidimensionality. So, you know, all of that is something that we are and in- we are learning, we're encountering and we see. I mean, there there have been, um, you know, very famous sages and gurus in, in history that have, you know, record of flying and moving and, and, uh, floating yes, yeah. with the ability of training the mind to move within time and space. So all of that is very real you know and i think we see that in our in our in our entertainment industry with this uh you know this fascination with superheroes i think it's a it's a kind of like a, a suggestion to humankind that we are all possible we are all capable of doing those things and hopefully to look beyond the ideas of separation and limitation of the human
0: they yeah. also i think they also represent uh, the new mythology in sure. the way that the old gods held uh, the the position of mythology these are the new gods in, in a way in my mind <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I mean you I mean it, yeah and that's great that you brought that up because it's like, you know, we are embodying this godlike state where we're able, we are actual active co-creators of our reality and I really I really hope that our society is coming into this state of being because this is where we're going to get out of that victim role of anything, anything really that's happening around us and take control of what we're co-creating.
0: <laughs> Just wait till people figure out that space is fake. <laughs>
2: Oh boy, we'll have to talk about that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the woo section. Um <laughs> uh, okay, so so with all this, can you give us an idea of the contact E connection? here now so we we got we got set up with these three early examples that go way back in your life and we have an idea of where you are now where's the bridge and and then the kind of work you do now and at the level in which you're doing it both in dream time and in consciousness which is really the same thing right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how does that tie into all of this fuckery? that's going on with the overlay of reality that as we were just talking about, I can't do this. I can't, you know, I don't allow myself to fly because I can't because this is a program, right?
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Saying I can't do it. And so who's behind that? What's behind that?
2: Well, you know, I think it's it's a matter of understanding the structure of this reality that we live in, and the structure of uh, this multiverse or this organism which we are now living in. And um, you know, there's many levels of of reality here, and non reality as well, projected reality. Yes. And I guess what we're dealing with when it comes to contact is we are all part of this holographic projection of each other within an organism that I believe has, um, you know, we're talking about consciousness here of the the actions of consciousness and consciousness either becoming or not becoming. And I feel like what we live in right now in this in this organism is a consciousness that has decided to reject itself. And from that perspective the manifestation of many species of, of ETs and other beings that are now, I don't know, you can say parasitic or looking towards, um, you know, uh, feeding or living off other, other organisms, which in any kind of organism or state of, of which is um, based duality is always going to be the case. There's always going to be one balance that's out of balance and one that needs to be Uh, balanced with the energy of another so that's kind of what we're dealing with right now our our reality is built on the structure of duality and um where where there is duality we have um you know imbalance because what we are manifesting now in our waking life the humans you know are are this uh what we're experiencing is a lot of Um, influence that causes us to feel a very deep separation from the self and from what we are experiencing, and then a huge compartmentalization of our reality.
0: But isn't that what you just described is the the purpose of the quote-unquote programs, is to drive that reality and program the future?
2: Yes. So well, the purpose. It's like
0: if you're not making your own future, you're letting someone else do. If you're not, you know, if you're not manifesting, someone else manifesting for you. Sorry.
2: No, yes, that's exactly right. And I mean to to simplify all of these concepts, that's really what it comes down to is to really look at what part are you co creating with. But I mean, the fact of the matter is that we live in in an organism in which we are moving through this consciousness as consciousness becoming aware of itself. Each one of us is consciousness that has the ability or free will to become aware of itself. So that being said, there's going to be a lot of involvement And the reason why it's important to understand the structure of the human body and how it plays a role in this organism is because then you're going to understand how we are tied to multiple dimensions and how we connect with our ET counterparts and how we are, you know, playing these roles of information with them. When it comes to ET contact, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, consciousness, pure consciousness being replicated or taken. and. Used to multiply information um, as embodied within hybridization programs, like hybrid children, for example, which is taking your biological matter and then creating other children in order to multiply that information. Um, and when you multiply, when you take that information, you know, you are also opening channels, direct channels to the information that you're holding. So it, it's my belief that at this point, we are really. Each one of us are like a cocktail of DNA, of information that we have traversed through this organism multiple, multiple times, I guess, since the very origin of our existence. So the thing is, you know, how, how can we um, become aware of what's occurring here and how to become consciousness that is leaving this organism per se, or, you know, maybe experiencing other aspects of reality? is it is it possible, say, for
1: people just becoming familiar with this content with this concept uh, because that's probably where it is for a lot of people as concept first to use the dream time in a way that so maybe not so actively as far as going into tonight's dream and saying i'd I'd like to uh, see through to the true true but in retrospect reviewing some dreams that may have very significant to you that are mysterious and starting to decode those in a different way that involves all of this other stuff where we're talking about the otherness contact and others besides us
2: the, the thing that we, we must understand is that everything is important. You know, there's no, I, I don't believe in things that don't really matter and that are just, uh, you, know, you know, meaningless. Um, because because your mind is very complex and all of the information that is around you is is being perceived through certain filters based on your experience, we are co-creating even in our dream time we are we are creating those dreams or they are being implemented but there's a lot of exchange of information that's happening so all dreams and all waking time is important to understand what's happening to you um you know when you're actively working in dream time, what you are seeing, what you're experiencing can look like something completely ridiculous. It can be like little clowns playing around with balls and then you don't understand what's going on. But in reality, those, those are um, other things that are occurring on other dimensions, which we are not capable of uh, translating or deciphering. You know, everything is vibrational, frequential information. And so as we become aware of how our body processes this information, then, you know, we will not be able to understand what we're actually experiencing and seeing in dream time. But it's my belief that all of these things are quite important. Now, when we're talking about contact, what you'll realize is that a lot of these dreams are quite, quite familiar. They're quite, uh, you're going to see a lot of very commonalities in this dream. It's going to be involving, um, you know, Uh, you know, either you're in a spaceship and you see these beings, uh, you're experiencing these lights, your body is going through this, uh, you know, feeling of paralysis. And then you are waking up and you may remember some, some things of it or a flash of something, but then you won't know what exactly happened to you. And so other, other contact, like the hybridization program, very, very, very typical dreams of seeing children, being with children, nurturing children, um, you know, and and where things become real in contact is when you wake up the next day and you have a physical, um, you know, actual physical mark on your body or a reaction like for what happened to me, for example, for many years where after I would receive an implantation, I actually had a severe physical reaction. I ended up at the hospital with it. So every time that I would have this kind of a contact, the body would react. And even more so in the hybridization program as having children, I would have very inconsistent cycles and miscarriages um, and, you know, um, pregnancies that were, you know, just um, unaccounted for, like I didn't have, um, you know, sexual activity or something for a year. And yet, You know, be pregnant. So this is when things become a little realer, and they become more something that you can actually feel and understand on a physical level. So I guess there's there's many ways to look at these these dreams. Uh, The the important thing is that when we're reviewing our contact experiences, to to start taking notes and writing down the experiences that you're seeing, and start looking at the parallels. um, You know. A lot of these dreams, when you start coming into these support groups, you're going to start hearing yourself talk through someone else. They're going to be like, oh, I had a dream, you know, that I had this contact or I saw this spaceship or I saw this alien species. And, um, you know, or they were having intercourse with me or they were trying to operate on my body. So these are things that are very reoccurring. And. Whether they are screened images that are modified for your memory or trying to be swiped from your memory, um, those are things that you can look for more in regression, you know, to try to understand what exactly is happening.
1: How do synchronicities play into this awakening?
2: Um, synchronicities are very interesting. And I think what, what we need to understand is how dimensional time and space is actually occurring in our reality. We, we come from the idea that time is, is linear. You know, first we think that because we're raised on the concept that we have life, death, and everything in between is, is going to, Pass, and we won't return to that experience, and then we die. There's nothing else. some Some people think there's a reincarnation, some people think there's uh, an afterlife. But our concept of time and space has to change. Why? Because what's really occurring is that in this dimensional reality, right here right now in the present moment, we're moving in and out of dimensional timelines, multiple dimensional timelines. As a matter of fact, our intention is uh, constantly moving us through these timelines and even our thoughts and our other aspects of ourselves are also have the ability to be creating on other dimensional dimensional realities for example if right now i'm talking to you but part of me has some kind of vision of being in a terrible car crash and pulls me out of this present moment into that terrorizing emotional thought on some dimension, I am co-creating that reality. Now, what's happening is that that is a vibrational imprint that is somewhere within my system. So synchronicities, for example, um, as we're moving through all of these timelines and possibilities, we're also reliving certain experiences because um, the organism of the human body has reincarnated several times in these dimensional timelines and we're doing so here and now we're living out multiple uh quote-unquote incarnations which are actually dimensional realities that we're accessing simultaneously and i believe that's why regression works because regression takes you back to what looks like something in the i don't know egypt ancient egypt or ancient rome but in reality those are aspects of ourselves that are accessing those uh timelines which are a part of us very much so
0: and um, and that actually anchors us i think to those timelines that the remembrance of it because there's energy exchange between it and those kind of tie you to those timelines and keep them in your in your per- current one it's absolutely. like a, i think it's a cumulative thing like all these other timelines add up to what you're in now, in the "quote unquote" now,
2: absolutely, and and it, that's really important because this is where um, this deep concept of DNA reprogramming started for me. Because when I understood that we're moving through these interdimensional realities constantly and we're co-creating and we have the ability on some level to move and manipulate them, then that means that we can move information and energy from the body. Because what is storing all of this information here and now is your physical organism. And the physical organism is like a one giant receptor. All of that information is being stored in the system that we know as our DNA down to our molecular level. And you know every aspect of the body is recording every experience in life, and, and, and it's recording the experiences that we're doing in this present time and also in other dimensions. So we are incredibly complex, incredible beings. And the more we understand and the sooner we realize that, the more we're going to understand the weight of our every action, our word, and our interrelationship with this reality that we're living in, you know. Um, and, and just to quickly make sure I answer the question, when we are reliving these synchronicities, it's aspects of ourselves that are recognizing certain certain little things within us that are playing on these multiple dimensional realities, you know. so. The, the, the consciousness is recognizing itself through all of these experiences. And I think that because we're multidimensional, the higher self or per se, the, the higher aspect of consciousness that is attached to this physical projection is actually in a way um, recognizing or, or helping and working with this physical projection to move through you know this simulation of reality that we're in. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the present moment. And I think that we need to become aware of that. Those synchronicities are wonderful ways for us to understand and recognize where we're going and what we're doing. How does, say, something that, that seems
1: very similar to synchronicity, like the vu stuff, the deja vu and all that, fit into this, this, um, this mechanism of synchronistic stuff?
2: Well, in that same way, I mean, I'll I'll tell you this, with the amount, and we're going to talk about ETs a little bit here, because we're talking about species that are off planet, that have a technology that's way beyond our understanding. And, And, you know, we're talking about the manipulation of time and space, the ability to screen images, experiences, feelings, take you and pull you out of dimensional reality into another dimension. This is all things that happen. And uh, the reason why I can say that is because I have experienced it within my own contact experiences. And being able to experience and see that has allowed me to understand that our perception of technology and time is very antiquated, like we are not really understanding. So when we have these situations of deja vu, they can be a number of things, they can be implemented implanted thoughts into the mind. Um, and they can be even your own self, um, you know, allowing you to recognize something within what you are projecting. And, you know, because the mind, you know, we believe everything that we're seeing right in front of us. But because I mentioned, you know, our mind and our body and our and our other aspects of our multidimensionality are operating on many, many other levels. So they are communicating with us in different ways. So things like synchrony, like, what um, were you saying? Deja vu, for example, is um, a recognition of something that you are, you probably have already experienced, um, something that is highlighting something that should be, you should pay attention to. Um, and, you know, it's it's movement through these multiple dimensional timelines. So you've been there. You've been there before. You've experienced that. You know what's a possibility, and so you recognize that 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 experience. So I think that's what's occurring in that moment.
1: Yeah, and the thing that always strikes me with deja vu in particular and one of the things that I hear consecutively over and over and over again is how mundane deja vu is and I and like you had mentioned earlier to me nothing is mundane really it's just a way it's it's some it seems to be a way for people to parse out a hierarchical aspect of what's important in language so I notice you know you walk in a room Right, and and that there's there's nothing more mundane essentially than walking in a room. But whoa, this sensation comes and hits. And for me, it's always attached to dreams I can recall from very long ago. I can always I can always pinpoint it. But then it, it gets lost in. I had that dream, but what was what was going on in the rest of the dream? Now I can't recall that. So I'm I'm always trying to push into where it can take me.
2: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I think the the thing is that it helps us kind of also see is an aspect of how we are repeating these kinds of um, experiences over and over again in multiple lifetimes. I mean, we can take it there because, you know, really we may not even really recognize the room it might be the emotional state or the experience or the premonition of what's about to happen next Mm -hmm. um, that we're recognizing that our whole organism is recognizing within what we're seeing because we have cycled through that now it's very real that within our dna we are storing traumatic experiences that we're cycling down our ancestral lineage so, you know, anytime that the system as a whole is recognizing these experiences in, through the emotional body, um, you know, it can also feel like a deja vu. It can feel like a recognition of this event. So th- that's very interesting when you start looking at those levels of, you know, cognition of recognizing what's occurring here in front of you, um, it really helps us understand that you know it's it's definitely something to look at to to understand what's happening there what is the connection with this event that's happening here and my life and everything that i've experienced in, in until that point i i don't feel like it's something that's you know um just simply mundane because i think it's more about uh the emotional reaction to the experience than the actual what you're seeing what you're looking at
1: because the physical body is made up of such a high content of of water and minerals and stuff, I view us as very crystalline. And crystalline for me conjures up the idea of, you know, programmable and, and conscious. It, it, it's more a, a matter of density, a little bit of density, right? Which brings us into the 3D. Is this how do you see that is it possible we're crystalline more crystalline than we think as far as this 3d reality and as we're generators for the totality of our consciousness as it connects in with others especially these higher vibrational uh beings that are a little bit out of our periphery that we you're you're talking about higher
0: vibrational
2: yeah, or lower,
1: but other where where they're not quite in this frequency. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's it's a, a beautiful concept. I mean, um, I think you you got it right. I mean, the fact that we are mostly water, but but really, um, you know, our entire organism, everything is energy down to the molecular level. We are just oscillating, yes,
3: um,
2: to create these you know these uh, vibrations, and we are just that we are that vibration. So really um, the organism, the system of the body at that oscillation. And I guess it's a beautiful combination of that and the consciousness that is being communicating with this matter, this quote unquote matter that is being created in this dimensional timeline, um, you know, has the ability to program, to change, to shift, to absorb, to release multiple things um, you know, at any time. So it's it's really incredible that we um, are coming into this understanding of what the multidimensional body, what the body is. The human body is is uh, first the soul, which is pure consciousness, comes into the physical body, and it works kind of like a prism. When a light shines in a prism, it it fragments into the that rainbow spectrum, right? And so the human body is kind of the same. It's like pure consciousness coming in through that filter, that prism, which is 3D for this current timeline. And that three-dimensional reality then organizes that information, that infinite information into this, uh, I guess what you can call our chakra system. The chakra system is connected to the endocrine system, which manages all of the major organs of the body. And all of those are functioning like receptors that are constantly picking up information from around us. And when I say information, we're talking about vibration because we are vibrational beings and our environment is also all vibration. Everything is this table, this computer, everything that we are working through here is all just oscillations on different vibrational levels. So as we are correlating with our environment, everything that we are absorbing, feeling and experiencing is all being translated and stored within that massive amount of information uh, inside of our, uh, well, within this three-dimensional physical plane, it's our DNA. And the DNA is also linked to your ancestral lineage, the network that you're coming into. Your network will consist of your family, your friends, your mother, your father, all of these that you are connected to. Um, And the interesting thing is that we are connected to them just um, just like schools of fish, I guess you can say we are energetically and magnetically uh, connecting to each other depending on our frequency and our vibration. So all of our network, our family, our ancestors are all a certain particular vibrational frequency, which is in alignment with each other. And this is why I believe we are We are cycling through specific patterns of behavior, of trauma, of emotions, uh, reliving these experiences through each other over and over again. This is how consciousness is reliving and experiencing this lineage of information. So each one of our family lines, me and you, all of our lineages are all a culmination of this specific vibratory information. So I guess on the planet as a whole, we are all here as consciousness becoming aware of itself through multitude of experiences on many you know frequential um, vibrational levels. So the body is very, very much a very complex and important recording system. And as I mentioned before, the human body is not just limited to the experiences here on this physical plane it's the connection on other dimensions as well, whether it's our eT. Uh, contacts, our past lives as ETs as well, Um, and all of that information is all there within what we're storing here in the physical body. So what makes this organism function is um, the physics of the human body as it moves, uh, continuously oscillating this information. It is this toroidal field of energy and it becomes the toroidal field because of the movement and the type of oscillation that we are. So I guess people kind of relate it to the, the crystalline body. And you can say that is a crystalline body if you're referring to the concept of this um, this vibrating uh, toroidal magnetic energetic um, system that is each one of us, you know. So there, there's many um, aspects to the human body that, that we are now becoming aware of, I think.
1: You had said something earlier, and I would like to elaborate on that. You said um, consciousness that has rejected itself. Could you go deeper into that?
2: Yes. So, so, you know, we, and and Jerry was just saying, you know, whether they seem to be higher frequency or not, you know, we don't know. And, you know, that's always the question when we talk about ET contact, you know, what, what are we talking about here when we're talking about extraterrestrial life forms? And really um, there's many ways to look at it. But what I have seen was that our, our planet and our human race, Is a genetically modified result of three particular main lineages of DNA, or I call it information. And these main lineages are the ones that have seeded the life on this planet. And you can go back to either the book of Gilgamesh, the story of uh, the book of Enoch, or the emerald tablets that can depict in our history, in our, our anthropology, in our history. Even even in our religion, uh, traces of ET co- coming into the planet Earth and uh, breeding with, in order to create human the human race, um, and you know, if you look at it from that perspective, you're going to look at many different things. You're looking at the concept of fallen angels, which was depicted in our, you know, religion and history. Um, But if you go beyond that, you know, what exactly is happening here in the creation of this organism that we call this, or what I call a matrix multiverse? What we're talking about here is other organisms of intelligence, of information. And why we have this interrelation with them, why we are here incarnated on this physical planet as consciousness cycling through this information, I believe, is because of this relationship that we have with these species, which, in a sense, can appear to be parasitic. but um it's it's become parasitic because of um, the way that consciousness is being manipulated in this. Time and space. So each one of us is consciousness. That as it incarnates into this physical dimension, we completely are disconnected from the other higher, uh, you know, dimensions of our of ourselves. And so we don't remember, or we are not conscious of what we are or capable of being. So that is a part of this matrix that we're living in fragmented reality. I believe, and so. know these these species that are here in this matrix um, universe that I call it is I don't want to look at it as they are uh, you know this draconian or reptilian or whatever species they are that are this evil species Um, even though in my personal experience I have seen um, I have understood what darkness is through my connection and contact to them um, because we're talking about a different vibrational frequency. They are a manifestation of lower frequency and we will be able to understand that how, by how it's translated from human terms, you know, what does the low frequency mean for us? It means suffering, pain, horrific things, the destruction of humankind, the destruction of purity That is how we perceive that low vibration, because that's what we have been programmed to perceive. Those are the filters that we we are given here. But what these beings are is a low frequency. They are a manifestation of low frequency. And what that means is consciousness rejecting itself, consciousness that is not willing to become aware of itself and therefore is parasitic, has become parasitic. Any of us that decide not to be conscious of ourselves becomes parasitic to ourselves and others. So this is the law of the universe that we live in. It is the law of our existence. We are all consciousness. We're all infinite consciousness, but on different levels of awareness. and that provides us with the frequency and that frequency will either put us on the scale of the higher frequency or the lower frequency and that's really all that we all are even these species whether they're higher or lower the arcturians per se or the you know whatever they are what i tend to believe is that these species these alien species are all all of them a part of this matrix multiverse whether they're high or low what i believe that are um you know our opportunity is in this waking limited time of life these maybe hundred years is to transcend this organism of a matrix universe that we live in to become consciousness that is infinite beyond the manifestations of any kind of organism whether it's high vibration low vibration that is still limited because it's living within the confines of this physical dimension I feel that the human has the ability to go beyond that into infinite consciousness. So that's what I train people to do. And I train and I I try to do myself is to break through any of these matrix um, manifestations of life.
1: Is it possible if with one that breaks this code, unlocks the code, Within this density of 3D, but accessing all of this otherness, all of the um, frequency, all of these dimensions, that one can maintain an extreme longevity like we see in some of the old tales the old Chinese stuff with elders that are thousands of years old and and then you know Enoch speaks of them they're they're around they're in the Hindu they're everywhere they, the immortals yet there's something about these immortals they're still in they're still functioning from or hold an agency within this construct
0: they didn't have to eat GMOs and get chemtrailed.
2: Chemtrails? <laughs> <laughs> those darn chemtrails. <laughs> if
0: they even exist.
2: <laughs> well, um, yes, and I, I mean really first first I'd like to say that we are we are those um we are those uh, infinite beings. You know, we are we are pure consciousness. Pure consciousness never dies. It is it is infinite. Energy and energy can never be disappear. It can never disappear. It can only reallocate, basically. So all we are is a bunch of energy reallocating from one uh, manifestation to another. That's all any of us are. Now, um, yes, absolutely, we have the ability to live, uh, you know, long and infinite lives. Now your what the concept that needs to come into question in here is where where do you want to live that longevity? do you want to live it here on this third dimension? do you want to be on a higher dimension seventh dimension, eighth dimension? You know some of these other species are already living that, but again you we keep thinking about the parameters of time and space of this planet, which is very limited. You know we think that you know life is from zero to a hundred years old, maybe. You know, and and that's it. And we're just talking about the body with the information that we have been given. So all of that information is, is and should become antiquated as we come into a place of awareness and awakening. Because the human body, if you learn how to utilize the technology of the body, if you learn what the organism of the human needs to have a vital, healthy life, You start seeing the people that are living up to 120, 100, 100 and more. You know, it it is our mind. And of course, our environment plays a role in that. But in reality, if you become the master of your body and your mind and you are in charge of what you are co-creating, you can absolutely transcend all of these laws of this dimensional reality because we have the ability of moving in and out of dimensions so i strongly believe that that is a very real thing that we all have the opportunity to do i think that as infinite beings our job here and our suggested uh task is to be able to tra- traverse all of these dimensions and to start training ourselves to work on other dimensions and that takes us to the topic of death you know what is death and and something that i've been hearing is um, you know, earlier this year, I actually had a near-death experience myself, and that's why I even dare talk about this. Is that um, you know what what we're looking at death is something another um, another uh, projection projection of a certain reality that's pulling you back into this reincarnation. So I guess the reason why I stress becoming conscious in other dimensions, like dream time. And out-of-body experiences is that when we die, that's exactly what happens. We do not really die. Just this physical shell that we live in is dying, and your consciousness is moving on. The question is, where is that consciousness going to go? How are you going to direct it? And what's what's occurring? You know, how do you navigate that realm when that comes?
1: And and so with death and the that that state of consciousness, which to me is very much birth. Uh, so, and if we tie this right back into, say, dream, do, when we encounter others in dreams, and this includes, say, people we know that that have passed into that state, and also others that we don't know, but that are clearly not us, uh, that obviously are driving their own boat. What's going on with those interactions? Do you have them?
2: You people that have passed, you mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean well here's the thing. Um you know there there are ghosts. I, I do believe in ghosts, but I believe in ghosts as a fractal of that soul that is attached to the physical plane. I don't believe that that is the soul of the actual being that is stuck here in this third dimension I believe it's a projection of that or the, or the whole soul um, for one thing so for another thing when you have dreams it can be it can be a number of things I mean it can be your own projection of this person and I've also had it have had it been in my own experience a screening memory in order to induce emotions for contact, you know, in, in an abduction or in a contact experience myself Um, during death, I've had the, the, um, the appearance of past ancestors and and people that have passed. And I realized that that is a fabricated projection of my mind Uh, you know, as I'm going through this light tunnel, I realize that it is a fabricated projection because what happens is that the mind tries to pull towards anything that it is recognizing or it's familiar with. And it's going to create that in that in that tunnel, in that light tunnel that we are supposedly going through. So, you know, th- there's a couple topics here. I mean, there's there's many things here. One of them has to do with, you know, what we're co-creating, what we're projecting, what we are being told to believe in. And another thing is what's real. and the soul, the soul is moving um, you know, through dimensions when it dies. so it doesn't stay behind in this physical 3D. This is nothing but a little tiny flash of light in the in this timeline of existence, our life here. You know so if I have I, uh, the only time I've had dreams of, of a past um, person was for communication. And that was immediately after they passed. And um, I think that also our body is projecting and asking for those things or messages or um, confirmation when we have dreams like that as well. So it can be very much projected. It can be very much projected. And I think the other side is, you know, the manipulation of your memories is something that we have to be aware of. That That's very, very real. And especially in contact, that's something that can happen and does happen.
1: And that's where I would like to go next, so, starting with the overlay of the grid around, uh, say, in Waking World, how how things appear to be amping, say, big weather events, crazy amounts of fighting and infighting, and this constant just loop of of, of big old ball of you know, I don't know, rubber bands that are all getting brittle and they're all going to snap and there's going to be a core at some point. What is this overlay? And is it being manipulated by other conscious entities?
2: Uh, I very much feel that there is a certain sense of manipulation. And, you know, the reason why is because we have turned into a society that's Hanging on every word that we're looking through our social media, you know, to you know, looking at that, and I think what we need to do is look away from from those and look at each other here in our present time to see what each of us is dealing with on an emotional level, um, becoming more of a connected community. Because um, the more that we rely on the external world to define what community and what society and what life should be, the more and And the reason for this structured matrix is in order to put the human into a state of survival, in a state of fragmentation. Our entire reality right now, the way that it's been created, is to create such a deep feel of separation, isolation, and fragmentation. We see that with everything. We see that with how we look at ourselves, even with our own emotions. We see it with our sexuality. We see it with our family. Um, our education, our colleagues, our even our race, our sex, the languages that we speak, um, you know, our cultures, our religion. You're going to take it out to the countries that we're living in, political issues. On every level, it's like fragmentation after uh, fragmentation of reality. And when that happens, everything becomes very very compartmentalized and what that does to the human is that the human feels locked in he feels trapped he feels like he can't move without going through these you know little um i don't know you know these mazes of of belief systems and and uh, these projections of reality that are being made for us so we need to when but but here's why i know this because when i was going through my awakening um i started to question everything on a really really deep level i mean everything what i was thinking what i was feeling why i was feeling that way and what happened after i started going down that road is i realized that everything i'm feeling some of these feelings some of these emotions weren't even mine they were things that i had been taught they were things that i had been shown they were things that i learned from other people they weren't even what I really truly believed in. And I really had to take a moment to question where the heck I ended up with all of these beliefs. So when I did that, I realized that all of us, all of us are a, you know, a culmination of all of these belief systems that are imposed upon us by our system. And where what is the intention of these systems? What is behind that intention? If you go and you look through all of these systems that are running our reality right now, from our food system to the pharmaceutical industry to our, um, you know, government, our education, everything, everything is ran and and run on the backside of this by um, a very small group of people that are in power Okay, and so that really made me question reality and what we're listening, what we are, who we are now. Um, actually, well, something that I speak about in my presentation is that 147 companies uh, are, uh, 100, 147 people run the entire world. They own all of the organizations that are running our reality right now. So that's something that's very, um, very uh, something we need to become aware of because we need to understand what is the overall um concept of life and when we look around us you know we're all not doing so good we're all in survival mode we're all striving struggling so what's happening that all of our systems are making us feel like we need to be in a in a state of survival so we um you know as we are living our lives we need to become aware of what part of us wants to continue believing the things that we're seeing like pain suffering death uh wars, um all of these things space <laughs> okay, space you <laughs> need to understand <laughs> that one uh, but uh, you know, and it's like the question is like what what exactly is happening? Who's running the show here, who's making telling us how to feel and think, and ultimately, um, when we start to question that, we start to realize that we don't have to continue going down those same things. We don't have to keep contributing to these. Markets to the entertainment industry to consumerism. We can pull away from that, and then you'll realize, oh, maybe we're not in so much danger. Maybe I can survive by, you know, having my own community that is healthy, that is flourishing. And all of a sudden, what they're telling us isn't real anymore. So, so you know, there's there's a lot to say here, and I think that hopefully, as we are coming into this, we start to pull away from these systems that really don't have our best uh, interest in mind do
1: so let's look let's look behind the curtain a little bit at these different races Mm -hmm. could you give us you know just kind of thumbnail sketches of the ones you're familiar with and 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 maybe what what they're doing Mm
2: -hmm. so i talked about the 147 people that are in charge of our world here And what I have found is that their lineages are tracing through history all the way back to Mesopotamia. The same bloodlines over and over again would appear in my research over history all the way back to the origin or the said origin of our human race on this planet. And that allowed me to see that the DNA that we are, that our um, systems are consisting of, is a combination of human and also these extraterrestrial races. These three primary. Now, when I say primary, I'm talking about an evolution of of races. The original race, the oldest race that seems to be prevalent in our matrix universe is um, this draconian race, which seem to be the master geneticists, the ones that are the ones carrying out these systems, I guess, of organization. I also saw an inner earth um, bloodline, which are architects of what you can call a matrix. And they are the ones that will work with all of the resources of any planet and create matrix based on those laws of physics, or they create everything, everything from the structure of reality to what's going to be seen in that reality.
0: Are those the uh, the builder races?
2: Yes, I guess you can call them that. I'm not sure who came up with that term, but absolutely, that's what I would refer them as is like these I I call them architects of the matrix basically and you know they are they are inner earth dwellers that manage all of the natural resources and the movement of every planet and how you know that organism is going to move
0: are they insectoid
2: um no I did not see that they were insectoid actually I I just saw that they were um I guess uh a further genetic alteration from the draconian basically so some something of a reptilian form so, handsome lizards. Handsome lizards, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I love that handsome lizards. <laughs> handsome lizards, yeah. And um the other race was a more humanoid race, which again, I believe, is an evolution originating from the original race, which is the draconian race. Now, it is my belief that all races are evolving from the draconian race. We are all uh, manifestations of genetic alteration from that original, uh, you know, form or structure. And uh, so from there, the draconian are, they look like um, they're, you know, they're very impressive, uh, very tall uh, beings that are you know some of them have these little wings or these kinds of protrusions on the upper side of their necks
0: the white vestigial wings
2: um yeah you know to be to be honest every time that i would see them in my in my own personal abductions they were very very dark very dark beings and um you know pretty pretty dark greenish grayish blackish kind of beings and so yeah, very and and what makes them interesting is their vibration, their frequency is extremely low. I mean I, I there's nothing in our reality that can match that kind of a low frequency unless you put together all the most horrible things you can ever imagine, and then you would be able to understand what that feels like. Um, when I was a child, I was taken on this um, hybridization ship and then taken onto to a mother ship. Which was run by these draconians, and um, the energy is is that of death. It is that of the most horrible, putrid things you can never think of. And um, you know, and again, as that's why I was telling you, it's through our human filters that we can perceive that. You know, that's why we see it that way. It's because our human filters.
1: Um, Are we perhaps a food source for those on that lower? Density there. Energetically. Energetically.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I was talking about earlier when I when I said parasitic, that's kind of what I'm what I'm talking about. Because the reason why we are here reincarnating as this human race is that we are providing certain frequencies of information through our experiences on this physical plane. And as I mentioned, the majority of our physical experiences, unfortunately are a state of stress, a state of anxiety, pain, suffering, and survival mode that we are made to be put into by a compartmentalized reality or a false reality. So I think that, you know, we are kind of feeding these beings energetically. So
0: so then what is the true reality? What is the original timeline? And have we been pinched off of it?
2: Well, you know, and that's the thing that I I, I really want to help people see beyond and try to pull away from the concept that we are a victim race, you know, or we are here, you know, as, as victims to these beings. We all we're talking about here is consciousness, either the rejection of consciousness or consciousness becoming aware of itself. We have the ability of becoming aware of ourselves. And we have this moment in this three dimensional reality to do that. By training ourselves to become aware of how to navigate multiple dimensions, we have all the tools available to us, we have all the possibilities and impossibilities available to us to to uh, look into this so you know really it's up to us it's it's really up to us how we decide to move through this now, even in our own matrix, you know we are told and we are in a way uh, already. Uh, you know, we, we are um, signaled that we are in this matrix, you know, we have all of these films that are showing us ET contact, they're showing us Illuminati movements, they're showing us so many things that are quite real, that are actually moving energetically in the background of, of, of our uh, reality. So, you know, and, and beyond movies, we have our government, our financial system, our health system, our our society, our human race is a testament to what we are experiencing in this reality. So I think we need to open our eyes nice and wide and take a good look at what we're dealing with here. You know, we, we can't deny what's occurring around us. And I think it's time for us to become aware of that. And the more we become conscious of our body and our mind and the ability that we have to move through these dimensions, that we do it. that <laughs> We do it now. Absolutely. Um, you know,
0: that thing. I didn't mean to imply that I felt victimized by being pinched oh. off. I was, uh, my personal feeling is that anything I experience is something that was, you know, created by us. Anything that we experience was created by us to start with. So mm-hmm. there, uh, are no, there are no victims.
2: Yes. Thank you for clarifying. I'm so glad you feel that way because. You know, I do come across a lot of people that do feel that way. And it's really just, if it's one thing I can get across to anyone here by doing anything, please understand you are the most powerful biotechnology in this matrix multiverse. Um, yeah, I am.
0: Thank you.
2: Yes, yes, you are, <laughs> 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 We're yeah. definitely not of the victim
1: mentality here at
2: Good. So happy to hear that. Yes. Fabulous.
0: Yeah. We're more of the freedom <laughs> fighters.
2: All right. My kind of people. <laughs> so
1: with the thumbnail sketches though, what are the other? So we're looking at the original draconians sure. and then everything kind of splinters off of that branch that or that trunk. You're saying that's the original.
2: Yes. Yes, I believe so. I mean it's just like the spectrum of light, right? There's different uh variations of frequency. So all of these will be splintered off per se in these different um species. I mean we have the humanoid species, um which you know we can look at the Pleiadians or you know these other kind of uh humanoid type of species that we've had on our planet Earth in the past in the future, and uh, we have the insectoid, which is a branch of that as well um, and we have other many other species there's there's the grays which have a very wide range of species that they are uh, have evolved. There are the short grays, which seem to be more like um, uh, artificial intelligence, quote-unquote artificial intelligence. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, we are all a form of this biological intelligence on some level, but they are more like programmable robots of some sort that kind of can modify themselves in any kind of um, group of species. Now, something that I want to stay away from is... Um, the continued thought that all of these species, you know, are completely separate species, like the uh, Draconians hang out only with Draconians, the Pleiadians only with Pleiadians. Right. You know, really what we're talking about here is communities, uh, if I could say that, or just organizations or agendas of multiple uh, combination of races. So, you know, and each one of them have different agendas in mind. They're just like humans. You know, we all have you know, a mixture of different people that we are grouping and working with. So in that same way, you know, they're a mixture. So on some councils, maybe, or you know, you can see these Pleiadians, Reptilians and and Grays, and their frequency may be a higher frequency. Some of these may be a lower frequency. Um, but I, I still believe that they're all a part of this matrix universe.
1: It only seems logical to me to place it within the context of which I, I witness every day in the fact that especially in this time of DNA that we are we're so much, you know, people get have stories they grow up with where they're this particular you know, they identify with this particular set of stories scan. Scandinavian or African or whatever and then you see that you are so much more there's a mix going on and it. Uh, my ponder is that it must be or it seems logical that it would be this way throughout oh, all that, that that it's all kind of interwoven in a way sure there are pockets where for example you you go to small areas of Scandinavia and there's not been a lot of influence for hundreds of years. So you have an idea of what that those villages, you know, are, and you can, you can pinpoint them. So say like the draconians or Arcturians, uh, is this, am I off the
0: Pleiadians.
1: but am I Alpha the mark there? Is it, is it similar like this as above so below concept that there is mixed as we are?
2: yeah absolutely and even even those uh Scandinavians that you talk about i mean I still um feel that they are uh you know a genetic cocktail of many other species because we're just talking about their current manifestation on this time yes, <laughs> yes. so yeah yes. their their DNA can hold many other memory imprints of other uh lifetimes, you know, so yes, I absolutely. Think it's as above, so below. We are all a combination of different, um you know, genetic make.
1: And so, with this, I, Solaris Blue Raven talks about um this. There's a lot of stuff you're saying that sounds similar to what Solaris does say. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are obvious differences, but this, this, um, there's a similarity in kind of. Mm it's the matrix overlay and the mind the mind hacking can happen say within dream cover-ups and all that what are things we can do to to understand a difference of what is an overlay or a cover-up as opposed to? and now i'm talking in what we perceive as waking life how do we parse out what what may not be our content and what's maybe interference.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question and we need to start um in our everyday life. Um what helped me come to those questions of what's real, what's not real for me is to do a complete detox of all kinds of um what do I call it? Um you know, any kind of stimuli like like social media or anything that is trying to stimulate any kind of emotion or feeling from me. That's what I did. I completely isolated myself from social media, from movies, from TV, and even music. and I really went deep inside myself. And when I went into myself, I had the question of, of you know what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? What's real? And, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, you have a lot of parts of you that are not real. There's a lot of parts of you that you are in denial of. There's a lot of parts of you that you don't want to see. You don't want to forgive. You don't want to acknowledge. There's pain that you don't want to even look at so that that's where the work begins and you will not be able i repeat you will not be able to know what's real and what's not real until you know what's real and what's not real within your own mind you know and so you know only we know what we experience in our life in in our childhood in our families and what what our society and what our culture has taught us to do is to suppress a lot of these thoughts these emotions these belief systems And so that is the number one place. That's how the compartmentalized is created. The system of compartmentalized is created by creating these kinds of, um, you know, taboo, like don't go there or don't feel that, don't feel pain, don't feel sadness. And so that's caused the huge, um, you know, rift in our connection with our mind and our emotions. So I would say that's the first place to start. You need to get away from all of the stimulation around you that is causing you to feel constantly emotions. Everything's triggering you. Your job, your you know the people around you, the music you listen to, the movies you watch, your partners that you come, go into. You go into these partnerships and relationships that are made to trigger you. All of this is what this is about. So you have to stop having this constant filing of emotional information and start reviewing the information you already have so you can understand what's real and what's not. And once you're done reviewing that, then you're going to have very clear understanding and everything. It's like this incredible veil lifts and you look at the world from a completely different Viewpoint. You have a crystalline view. You can even look through people and their intentions and what they're doing because you understand yourself on such a deep level that you can see straight through all of the falsities around you. So this is the such a powerful thing to do, and I really invite everyone to try to get into that. You know, to try that.
1: That's excellent. I have, um, so <clears throat> pardon me there with with things that are happening say for example and this is very current and it's got a lot of chatter say mm-hmm. the 5g network. Mm-hmm. where what do you think's going on and i so we we can talk on many levels about this we can talk on the the bio level with our flesh and all this what do you think the higher agenda is even though the higher agenda may be actually the lower agenda what do you think is going on with that because it is creating that really is a big time grid. They have to be set so far apart, very close, and it, if you visualize it, it's very much like a net.
2: Yes, absolutely. Energy. Absolutely, and I think that we have been coming to this point of 5G for a long time. It's taken years to get to this point, and the reason why I'm saying that is because what we are not, um, you know, what we have not been made aware of is that, you know, we were talking about chemtrails earlier, and any kind of manipulation of weather, or, um, you know, whatever is being sprayed in our air is causing this kind of a network, and this uh, kind of a coating over certain parts of the world. And um, I've also seen that um we are being sprayed with a certain kind of a nanotechnology, which is made to alter our DNA. The smart and, dust? yes. Yes. Yeah. And so you yes. know our body is absorbing this DNA, which is coming into the system to alter and genetically alter the body. And what's worse is that as this five g is coming out, which is you know had been planned a long time, it's going to be communicating with all of the smart dust that's being put into the body and that was being put into the food, it's like this gigantic computer, unified computer is what's being made right now. And we're a part of this, you know? So I think what 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 we need to do, and, and this is something that's very important to me, because I feel like it's completely unacceptable that we are listening to them say that they're going to put out 5G, and they've tested this, and they've seen birds die. I mean, they did an experiment, I think it was in the Netherlands, where hundreds of birds instantaneously died as they turned it on. Um, You know, that is unacceptable. And the fact that that's out in the open means that we have to speak up and say no. So to me, what this is, is like everything in movies, in social media, in our government, that they whisper these little truths to us, and we just it comes in one year and it goes out the other, and then we just keep going back into our matrix lives without doing anything about it. I think that we need to unify ourselves as a community and start acting like we actually care. You know, so, so I think it's a, it's a matter of us really um, taking responsibility for our reality that we live in. We, we're not victims, so we need to start acting like we're not victims, and we need to start doing the proper things to start changing. Stop,
0: Stop creating by default.
2: Sure. Exactly. Exactly, and I think that that we are we are one big default here. <laughs> you totally. know, we're not Yeah. You know what's going on? Why are we allowing this to happen? It's it's not correct. So, um,
0: possibly because not everyone here is human.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: Or real, or whatever you want to call it. You know, mm-hmm. simulated people. <clears throat>
2: Sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of, of different species walking among us, you know, at, in this time. But um, us, you know, we all have consciousness on different levels. So whoever we as humans, you know, we have to do what we have to do to help our next generation and even ourselves in this limited time of reality that we're in. Like we have to move and change that.
1: Is Okay, and so on the on the e t thing or uh, is there a new way I thought I just heard somebody say something different? That's beyond the point. Is there a possibility that one of or many of the e t races is behind this new grid that has as you've been said, as you said, has been planned a very long time.
2: Yeah, so it's a, it's a very complex topic, and um, but to simplify it, as as I was mentioning earlier, when I traced back these genetic lines, I realized that even within our government, you know, there are these genetic lines. These one or two very specific genetic lines are the ones that have been uh, running our government for for centuries, for you know, a long time. Uh, you know, all the way to England, Europe, all the way back to Rome, ancient Rome and ancient Egypt. We have these certain lineages that are managing the information and the manipulation of human race here. And um, so I believe that, you know, our concept of technology, we believe that our technology is so advanced now, but in reality, our technology is extremely antiquated and we are not really you know, we're just coming into an understanding of what technology is. So I feel like, um, you know, we have these um, uh, vortexes that are opening in our world. And I'm talking about CERN right now because they are doing these experiments with uh, splitting of the atoms. And when, when, when that happens, we are coming into different dimensional realities. We are opening different dimensional, um, you know, openings and, Through these openings are coming in these different beings and species that are here to shift and move specific timelines. Our timelines are being manipulated and played with all the time. They are being changed here and now. And, um, you know, we know this because if we look at the timeline of, of human race, you know, We have ancient civilizations like, you know, even in, in, um, you know, in Peru, in Mexico, in ancient Egypt, we have all of these ancient um, ruins of high, highly advanced technology that we can't even match to now. So all we have to do is look at our world and look at the traces of the patterns and cyclical patterns of life on this planet. And we're going to un- start to understand that there's been a pattern here. The moment that there has peaked a high level of technology and advancement, um, you know, there has been a, a moment of destruction or clearing or resetting of that information. So this is what we're cycling through. And what we're, go- we're, what we're coming into now is an opening to these higher levels of technology once again, higher levels of technology, as well as consciousness, because they come, they're, you know, they come in together, they evolve together. So um, that's what we're coming into. And so the question is, you know, what are we going to do in this timeline? And knowing and seeing all of these things in our history, how will we act differently? Um, All of these races that are managing all of these uh, movements in our timelines, I have seen that originate within the draconian line. And I have also seen that they are uh, the ones that are managing on the very highest level Um, all of these uh, movements within the government. Now, why do I say that? I'm going to say from my personal experience, I earlier this year, I had experienced a a military laboratory experience where I was taken into an underground base. And, um, you know, I, I had a very terrible experience with two other people that were there speaking at a conference with me. And all of us remember the event. But as we had experienced that, you know, I had, I had bone marrow removed from my lower spine. And um, through regression, I was able to recall exactly the government, uh, the department that was managing this kind of experiment and what they were doing. And I was able to see that at the upper level, it really is the draconians that are managing these, these um, programs. So, you know, these are things that I see from my personal experience that I have lived through, and that's why I, I speak of them this way. Um, you know, so it's it's interesting, and that's what I would say. Those are the races that are managing this. I have, and this will be
1: my last question before. You...
0: I have one thing to add to that.
1: But no. let me, can I ask this question, Jerry? Yeah. yeah. It is, uh, is there, are there specific things one can do and so i'm talking about tactile things to besides besides the mental exercises okay that one can do to say perhaps set up a a wall of protection around yourself or a warding you know like the old how does magic fit into it right magic or you know within my grandmother would put iron around and stuff like that, that these old folkish tales. is there anything to any of that working with crystals, working with metals, mirrors, is there anything to that?
2: Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's things that, that we are, that we know about, like, for example, using copper to kind of help you, you know, uh, reject the five, the 5g or these EMFs that are coming into your space. Um, and, and that's very important that we learn how to utilize that technology. And hopefully we learn how to utilize that technology because we understand how the human body works. Um, but all of these things are important and good to learn. But I think the most important protection is the power of your mind. I'm going to have to go back to that because um, the, your body has an electromagnetic field around it and it's your job to learn how to control and work with that electromagnetic field. It's your job to learn how to protect yourself energetically. Um, So I think people need to learn how to protect themselves and how to uh, navigate through these things. You know, there's, there's other things like, for example, you know, they've talked about Organite as a wonderful way to clear the air and, um, and, you know, help cleanse your EMFs within your energetic space. And I think all of these tools that are out there are things that are worth considering. But the most important tool is going to be the human body. That's what my take on it is, uh, Nish, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, but the act of doing something is imploring um, a, a thought and a thought and an action and energy behind that. So then you mm-hmm. have physicality of saying, we're in Shungite. And mm-hmm. because my mind now says this, the, the full, fuller in and the Shungite is going to help my own toroidal. Field, right.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and trust me, I do all of those things too. I mean, I have my chung guide and, and they do work for me because I can see energy. I can see how they are rejecting, you know, uh, energy coming in. So I, I know that those things do work, you know,
1: yeah and so i just i'm always wanting people that don't understand that might be going what are they talking about i'm always trying to speak for those people so they they can get a, a grasp in on some of this stuff because it's really it's heady and it's hard to it's hard to get into sometimes the mind doesn't want to suspend disbelief for so many people so it's i really do like to uh have have a velvet carpet for anyone that is starting to have an open mind and see and and seeking seeking further vision into themselves.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for doing so. Yes, you're right.
1: So this is Jerry. I'm on to you with you had something, and then I, I don't know if you have questions.
0: Was, yeah, I was in regards to particle accelerators. Um, mm-hmm. uh, You're, you know, not young, you're not a kid, you know. So, I mean, the idea of CERN is new, it was new in our lives, right?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: It's kind of what I was trying to get at. It's new in our lives, the whole particle accelerator. But today, if you research it, there are 30,000 particle accelerators on the planet, Mm
3: -hmm. yeah,
0: and they've been around since the 20s, and that. You know, what? I, some people would call that a Mandela effect or something new that's been introduced to our reality. So I could totally get behind the whole dimensional shift thing or t- bringing timelines or dimensions into our reality through those things could totally be happening.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up, because you're correct. Not many people know how many of those there are. I mean, you know, they just had announced the other day that they opened one in China now. But, you know, these are all over, um, you know, all over the world, and they have been functioning for, for a very long time. And and you're right, I guess if you want to call it the Mandela Effect, it's it's when this information becomes aware to us, again, newly aware, <laughs> you know.
0: Right. And the, the Mandela Effect is interesting, <clears throat> Yeah. In a lot of different aspects, if it's real or not, whatever, the the fact that um, it could be proof of collective consciousness programming reality. Sure, it could Absolutely. be that enough people remember something one way that the past changes to adhere to that remembrance.
2: It could be. It's kind of like, is it the chicken or the egg that came first? Right. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and the other point I had, what well, you were talking about coming up to a decision point regarding technology and whatnot and i I think you were going towards the transhumanism thing um it just uh, it reminds me a lot of the atlantis stories and Mm -hmm. i'm i always think that you know what if atlantis is now what if we're living in atlantis and in the time's a loop
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and it's (laughs) something goes wrong and we get reset back to the stone age right
2: yeah, I, I I very much think that that could be a possibility because we're we're it's like we're just it's funny how really if you look at you know what we're awakening to what has been changing what has been more prominent is this concept of consciousness has really been coming into everything even our technology so we're amounting into some higher levels of information here in the next you know ten years we're we're coming into some big information and um, I think a lot of people are feeling that so. Um, what will happen next? You know, we have all these people that are like, oh, with the doomsday concept, like, oh my gosh, we're going to get wiped out. There's going to be a war. There's going to be something. But again, it's mind over manner. And it's about consciousness and unity right now that we need to focus on through all of right. this.
0: Those that- people though, it's bad. I think it's bad for people to do that kind of fear of mind or even hold those thoughts in your head yes. because you can like, uh, for instance, the whole new thing, right? Nibiru is yeah. going to destroy the plant, yada, yada. Yeah. People who, you know, watch tons of videos on that or study it or research it or are really into it are going to pull that into their reality. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it happen. It's like, don't do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Because, I, again, we're creating on multiple dimensions. Right. So on other dimensions, it's already happening. <laughs> you know?
0: That's right. Yeah. Cool. I don't have any questions yet.
1: There were none. There were none from the chat. I
0: haven't asked any questions, guys. I think everyone's gone. I
1: don't. When I look over here,
0: <clears throat> Suzanne's in chat. That's it. But she's probably not even in chat.
1: I see right now a bunch of people in there.
0: They're not in there.
1: Where are they then? I don't
0: know. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> adding... They come in. They leave a message and think go out of. They close the window or I. I don't know what how it works. It's you know YouTube magic. Is what we all need today. I don't know. Okay, here we go. What is your your view on time? How how do you? Okay, okay I'll just read it. What's your view? How, what is your view, Geraldine, of time? Your view on time. How would you, you describe time? Um, I guess
2: time. Um. Yeah. Well, I was mentioning earlier how you know it's. It's nonlinear uh it's more like um gosh, I guess you can say a circle that's constantly moving. I guess that's the best way I can give you a visual because uh or if you can imagine being a uh, a spider web and you are at the center that's that's probably a better way so. I would consider time like you are a spider web, you are at the very center of the spider web, and all of these webs are connecting you to multiple dimensional realities that are all connected to you simultaneously in this moment. And at any time, you have the ability to access any one of those little timelines or connections. That's how I would consider time. All
0: right, I hope that answers this question. <clears throat> no one else has any questions. That I can see. Are you done, Nish? I am. This was is... Wait, 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 I got more questions now. No, I think okay, cool. We didn't ask you what your birth sign is.
2: I'm Aquarius. Aquarius. Actually,
0: yeah. What's you
1: rising?
2: Leo. Oh,
1: I'm Leo Moon. Excellent.
2: Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> and are you Rh negative?
2: I am not. You're not? No. Interesting. No. Yes. Yeah, I would
1: have definitely thought you to be RH negative. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say, Nish, <laughs> just say you've, you've a, got that extra to you.
0: There's a high correlation of you know energy workers or or clairvoyant people and or abductees, experiencers, what have you, that are RH negative.
2: Yes, familiar with that. It's very interesting, and I, I've actually done extensive research on that. It's, it's very interesting, but I'm not RH negative. So we'll,
0: we'll see. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that's all I got. This, Nish, you don't yeah, go. Yeah,
1: Geraldine, uh, this was excellent. I, I mean, I had so many questions that I usually ask, and you just as in your in in your descriptions of stuff, you you already got around to them, like the soul. You know, often it's a major question I ask, and you addressed it. And I mean, you did so much of this on your own. <laughs> Was, oh, thank you. Thank it so was bad. excellent. And it was, I like that you've introduced not our main, not our core audience, but I think a lot of the people that are looking for information and there, there's nothing better. There's no better segue than dreams to get into mm-hmm. the idea of all this other stuff that is happening
3: yeah. uh,
1: because it'll, you know, immediately you think dreams and you're able to set aside the chattering mind of what seems fixed and real and brittle you know the daily grind all that stuff we already talked about so yeah you've you've really brought a a wonderful new facet at a deeper level to uh to nox mente we we certainly have talked uh ET presence and all that but not not really as much and so it's something i want to get more into especially as i'm experiencing some very strange stuff myself some weird memories and whites. wow
2: i want to hear about that definitely
1: yeah it's all it's all kind of surfacing now and it's it's taking me by surprise what's interesting is i've been painting these mm-hmm. things my whole entire life oh so that yeah. my record is there but they were just kind of fantasy not fantasy but more dreamy i guess <laughs> you know like i don't know so this has been wonderful, Geraldine. I don't mean to be verbose about saying goodbye, but I really appreciate yeah. it. And oh, I thank you so I like. honor you more.
2: Thank you. And I, I look forward to seeing your artwork sometime. And I would love to hear about your experience. And um, is it hybridization experience, if I may ask? <clears throat> or it-
1: yeah, like just for a, a real short, I had this dream. I told you about the baby, but it was so yeah. significant and so visceral. Mm-hmm. I'm in a regular old, like, Plaza—I think they call them malls commonly here—but it was like, like the old school ones, like in New Mexico and Spain, you know, like a proper. One. And uh, there are a lot of people, and this is the white. And I—I I start feeling this sensation, like I'm going to give birth, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and, and then I'm—it it all kind of fades away, and I'm—and then I tell myself that. This should hurt. This should hurt. And as soon as I say that, there, I've got these others around me. They're not clear. I can't tell you what they are, but they—they basically take that away from me, the idea of oh, pain. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'm—I'm wishing I'm to have this baby. And as its head crowns, I hear it kind of hit—hit hit the floor, and or the ground. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. wh- wherever it, it came out. And I wanted to see it. I felt. This intense, intense, intense—I cannot describe the connection I had to it.
3: Mm. It was really
1: disturbing, actually. When I woke up, I—I I, they were going to take it away. I knew this was happening somehow, but when I looked at it, it was remarkable. It was—it so, was almost like an albino. And yeah. I, my brother and I, are extremely, extremely pale. And I think we're the palest people I know. They're—you know—we're—you can see all our veins of our skin set and it had so it was like that but it even had more of a bluish tint than we do and it was and its hair was full 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 head of hair that was also like bluish tinted like old ladies do in italy with the Mm -hmm. tents and and its eyes were remarkable they were completely Super pale, but mesmerizing well, it's one eye, one eye was closed, like maybe it got damaged in the birthing process, so there's this strangeness about it, and nobody was carrying on about the strangeness. It was completely normal, and I didn't want to let go of this baby. I did not want this baby to be taken away from me and mm-hmm. and when they did take it away, this is when I was having a heavy emotional reaction, and this was all very. Joe Danis is extremely lucid. Yeah. Was, I mean, I just can't tell you. And, uh, and then I'm wiped back into the plaza and she, oh, so it's weird. And so I woke up with that and I I woke up very emotional and upset about it. Mm -hmm. So I had, I mean, that's, that's what's happening right now.
2: That is amazing. And I have to tell you that that's quite a a very typical dream that we see in the hybridization program. So I actually created a support group um, at hybridmother.com and I I host them. I host them every two weeks. And I'd love to invite you to come in to listen to other mothers that have experienced ET contact. You're going to see a lot of similarities in what you're saying right now. And that is the powerful shift that really has changed my life because you start to recognize these emotions, you know, it's, it's amazing. So I hope you come there. I think you're going to. I want
1: that. Yeah. Get that in, in our little private chat here. Can you get that to me? And like I said, this is, this is brand new to me and I haven't really looked into, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not under a rock and we talk about lots of woo, lots -hmm. of it, but this has never touched my life before. And it's interesting that it's coming forth now and Mm -hmm. I'm, maybe because I'm open to it. I'm not sure.
2: Sure. That could very well be. I mean, and, and this, the question is uh, you know, it, hopefully if you get regression, you know, how long has this been going on? Because you're going to see a lot of parallels in your life. That's kind of like what happened to me. So I'm excited. To yeah. See yeah. yeah.
1: I've yeah. had str- high strangeness my whole life. I have it when I'm in public. You have no idea unless you're walking wow. around. So I'm accustomed to high strangeness. I'm just not accustomed to this kind of things like having a baby <laughs> like yeah. that experience is completely new. It's blown my mind and it's kind of made me depressed. It was, it's still got a depressing feeling. Oh,
2: yeah. I uh, completely understand. I had the same thing happen to me when I first met my children. It was, it was so impact. It was paradigm changing. I mean, my life, my world turned around completely, you know,
1: it, it's weird how I even have a knee jerk response Mm-hmm. Copy paste. I'm getting that email here. Uh, I even have a knee jerk response to saying it out loud like this, especially in public. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it's almost too much woo. Does yep. that make sense?
2: Yep, I understand. Trust me. I I mean, and I have to tell you, I mean, over the past two three years after my regression, even after my regression, my regressions are all public. By By the way, you guys can check them out. Especially, I would suggest listening to Alba Weinman's 178. Uh, that's the number of regression that you'll find. I go through all of my abduction experiences after re-listening to that. I think I was actually like, I my paradigm was shocked. <laughs> like I, I couldn't quantify how it was possible that I had had so many experiences without knowing. So I completely understand the emotional reaction you're having. Mm-hmm. It's normal. Just hang in there. The more you understand about the pro- the prog the program and what happens, the more you're gonna understand what's happening, you know? And some of what we talked about today will kind of help you process that too because it, it gets very intense, you know, when you think about your biological matter being taken out and put into this child that you have no consent or, you know.
0: But it's just know. a hologram. Of yeah. course.
2: <laughs> sure, sure.
0: <laughs> I did want to add, you were talking about your your alien kids. Do you have any real kids?
2: No, I don't, No. no.
0: It would be interesting to see how people deal with their actual children, their 3D kids, versus their other di- extra-dimensional kids.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot. I have some actually. I, I was part of a documentary for the hybridization program, and one of the girls that they interviewed for it, she has children that is also uh, an experiencer. The little child is an ET contactee. Mm-hmm. So you know, it just it gets kind of complicated. <laughs> it's complicated
1: it does seem it, it seems very complicated it's hard to grasp
2: yeah.
1: or um i mean for me it's just it's you know coming to terms with it and mm-hmm. i like i said high strangeness my whole life mm-hmm. i'm not a stranger to high strangeness yes. so but this whole idea is just taken me as they say it shook me
0: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i have one more question from the peanut gallery here what does your your last name mean
2: Orozco, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure. Orozco basically means uh, something to do with gold. Uh, yeah, something that's gold.
3: what
2: I Yeah, it's a Spanish name. But I don't know. I'm embarrassed to say. My first name means mighty with a spear. My mm-hmm. second name is a Hindu name and, uh, yeah, Italian name and the Bol- Bolivian Spanish name. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a Gerald, so I know.
2: Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, great. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening and watching with us live or chatting or whatever. Nish, as always, thank you.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you, both of you, and to our wonderful listening audience Mm -hmm. and to people that find us fresh and new.
0: Right. Uh, Next week, we have Vince... Vin. Vin I can't say the guy's name. Vinzuza. Vince Vinzuza's girlfriend, Sabrina Milston.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Vince was the Portland uh, Pacific North. North weird.
0: Pacific North weird, yeah.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Should be a good show. So anyway, we'll see everybody next week. Have a good one.